Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, we're... Blog Talk Radio. Find that tipping point in true. <laughs> I don't know why this doesn't play right. There I hit it. I hit it and nothing happens. I don't understand it. It just sits there. Mm. Reminds me of my second girlfriend. There's no easy way of knowing. All right. I'm going to have to try well, it again. <laughs> just like last week, it just won't play. I don't know what this, what this story is. It's like the Rams in the Super Bowl. Oh. Mm. Congratulations on that field goal, dipshits. I got that spinning circle. When I play the intro, I just got that spinning circle. Like it's playing, but I don't hear anything. Do you? No, no. So I'm I'm happy to just kind of go into it. Well. Which direction we are going? Yeah, we're going to be talking about early 90s 
independent wrestling in the North Georgia area with the people who know it better than just about anybody. They were there. So that's coming up at around 7.15. But before we get into yeah. all that, let's let's touch on some, yeah. on some local things that took place over the last few days. One, Evolve came to town. Oh, and huh. Surprisingly, I, I, this I, just yep. speaks to the to the um, how hot wrestling is. They went into yeah. one of the worst. Well, there are many neighborhoods in Atlanta that bother me to go into. This one bothers me, <laughs> and, and um, yeah, off of Metropolitan Parkway. And uh, darn if they didn't draw 450 people. It doesn't matter. It, 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 it lends credence to my theory. When, when wrestling hot is hot, it doesn't matter what else is going on. People are going to go. And when it's cold, you can't give the tickets away when, when a re- wrestling product is, is cold. So it, it was a very good show from what I was not there, but I understand it was a very good show from everybody I've spoken with. And um, uh, uh, the other evolved note is that Slim J's uh, fantastic 2019 continues as he debuted for Evolve in um, Concord the following night. Man, uh, you know, it, it, Slim J's success, recent successes, bring to mind a topic that I eventually want to do in Tipping Point, which is sort of a where are they now segment, but actually talking about, because Slim J is having such great success with his career, and, you know, it's years and it's decades really in the making, and so deserved, but I kind of wanted to look at some of the guys who, frankly, should be doing more and aren't, and why that is, but you know, all the best to Slim J. And I gotta, I gotta admit, Larry, I gotta eat some crow on the evolve thing. Um, a wrestling figure of note in the Georgia area, and I communicated, and he asked me, "What do you think Evolve's gonna do?" And I said, "You know, I would be shocked if they did like right around 200." And I could not have been more wrong. I mean, when you're hot, you're hot, and wrestling is hot right now. Yeah, yeah evolve yeah, shows I- that. I would have been right with you based on how they did in Marietta that maybe they didn't do, you know, but 200 or 250 or so. That wouldn't have been um, shocking. Um, You know, before we go any further, we should touch back on what we had talked about doing last week and we're not able to do for this week, but still hope to do in the future, which is have Robert Gibson on the show. Um, Mm -hmm. I do, I, I've been, had some communication with his school and I believe we are going to be able to get him as a guest and maybe oh, at some point we can do the the wonderful proposal you had of Robert Gibson and Priscilla Kelly on in the same hour. But that's not going to take this place, place this week. But hopefully we can still pull that off. Yeah, um, I mean, as, as I think, Larry, as people have kind of noticed, Tipping Point has taken a different turn and I think a very positive one, which is we're now covering topics that I find interesting and that you find interesting. And I think tonight's the epitome. I'm not going to lie and say that I'm incredibly familiar with what we're going to talk about tonight, but I think that makes it all the more interesting. We're kind of, we're tilling untilled soil instead of just kind of doing the same thing again and again. And it's very exciting. Yeah. So, you know, what got me thinking about this show tonight was uh, I'd, I'd thought about this a while back and, Asked Scott yes. about it and then never followed up. Uh, and then um, the untimely death of uh, Honest John Cheatham got me thinking more about it. Not that he was closely associated with these promotions, but he was from that era or a little after that yeah. era. It just got me thinking about that uh, time period. And, uh, you know, uh, on that note, condolences to 
John Cheatham's family. The services will be tomorrow for um, John Cheatham. Um, one, one thing that was um, interesting about John is, you know, and I'm fond of saying, God, in wrestling, the people that people don't have a, a, a crossword to say about them are incredibly rare. And not only did people like have nothing bad to say about him or no backhanded stuff. Like, you know, a lot of people didn't agree with so-and-so, but he always spoke his mind. Like <laughs> that lame thing that wrestling people say, but not only were people sort of universally sad about his passing, there were people that said, I mean, Bill Barron, I mean, if Bill Barron is, is calling you the greatest or the most at anything, it damn well means something, right? And for Bill to say that was the nicest, like, like most noble man, I, like, I was really struck by that. Like, people not only um, adored the guy, they really admired him as just sort of like a, a gentle figure in what is usually – let's be honest, a very corrupt, <laughs> insane business. And for a guy like that to be involved and to have touched so many people, it really speaks volumes of who he was as a person, I think. Yeah, a very, very gracious guy. And, uh, you know, of course, in recent years, he, uh, known most as uh, Abdullah the Butcher's manager and traveling companion for quite a number of years now. Um, so, yeah. Uh, he, on a uh, sort of a tangent, but in a similar line, Tyson Dean's dad was very is, has been very ill. Yeah, and he is he is he's not out of the woods, but he is doing better. Um, and it just yeah. made me think of that since we Tyson was with us a couple of weeks ago, and uh, uh, our, certainly our wishes to, to for a speedy recovery uh, speedy recovery for Tyson's dad. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, great news to hear. Um, yeah, when I you read about that on Facebook, and then the the later comments on there were, you know, he he went and took a walk and that kind of stuff. So like, it, that's just wonderful to hear. It's so scary, you know. Like my father died um, a few years ago, and boy, that's just a helpless, helpless feeling. Um, and of course, all the best to uh, Tyson Dean and his family over that. Um, and keeping it in this sort of uh, I, I, I probably shouldn't mention this, but I'm going to mention it. Um, so Pedro Morales uh, died. Yeah. Well, and yeah. And uh, what really struck me, and again, I'm sorry to strike a negative chord in the middle of all this stuff, but uh, one wrestling personality went to his fucking funeral, like Bob Backlund, who, you know, great, Bob Backlund went, but my God, I mean, Next to Bruno in that era, uh, Pedro Morales was the, the man in the WWF, um, you know, held the title for one time at like a three and a half year stretch. Him and Bruno had a match that drew gangbusters. Um, so something that brought to mind was, like I'm glad we're doing this kind of look back into Georgia wrestling history. I think it's important because I'm Pedro Morales was an unabashed ethnic draw and 
that thing that doesn't exist in wrestling anymore. And I think it's almost a negative, like that, that isn't a thing, you know, and man, just as Bruno packed him in, you know, in New York, if you were Italian, you loved Bruno when you went and you felt that connection to him. So it went for the Puerto Rican population in New York when it came to Pedro Morales. And, um, it it is pretty shocking that the wrestling world wouldn't turn out for Pedro. I I just, I just find it sort of an indictment, really, of the state of modern wrestling. Really, I know that sounds very harsh, but that's just how I felt reading that news that only Bob Backlund went. It's very shocking to me. Well, what surprised me is that in in general, wrestling's, you know. I think pretty good about recognizing and remembering their legends and to, for no, for nobody from wrestling to show up save Backlund is really very surprising to me. Uh, I mean, all, I know a lot of guys not, from that era Pedro have died. Not, Pedro was not a polarizing figure. You know, I, no. he wasn't I, you know, he wasn't a guy who people were like, I hate Pedro Morales. What did you hear anybody say a bad word about Pedro Morales? And it, it's, it's, to me, it's amazing in that I hope that there are sort of young wrestlers who wrestle in Georgia that, that are listening to what's happening. I was thinking about how, as people retire or step away or die and that kind of thing, Wrestling has always been the entertainment and or sports medium that really has almost no reverence for its own history in little bits, fits and spurts, you know, like why is the first movie about a wrestling personality that's getting major theatrical release about fucking page? Yeah. (laughs) Page. Larry, like, and that's Rock not a knock it, on right? page, uh, you know, but it is, I mean, that's the compelling story we're going to throw out there for it's about page. I just, I, I don't know what to say about that, honestly. Yeah, I wondered what it was that r- grabbed Rock so much about that particular story to want to do it. But um, in any case, yeah, yeah. Um. Shifting back to another uh, local yeah. thing, Gary Lamb's been at it again, talking mm-hmm. about putting promotions, putting another uh, company out of business, a competitor out of business. Um, yeah, so I, I thought he, I thought he kind of moved past that, but he, he put a post on Facebook referencing uh, putting a uh, competitor out of business. Yeah, and then, I mean, that and coupled with, I, I saw he just posted a thing that just said, you know, whether you like it or don't like any anyone who paraphrases by Ric Flair, by the way, God, stab your eyes out, it's horrible. But, you know, basically saying Southern Fried and us are the best thing going today, and, you know, if you don't like it, it's too bad, and it's the truth, and all this stuff. And I just remember thinking, like, again, a very short-sighted <laughs> sort of, remembrance of wrestling. I mean, and again, it just shows the sort of naivete that comes with not really being involved in wrestling business for a number of years, because again, how many promotions came by and they were going to take the world by storm. And they went from, and again, drawing much bigger numbers than Southern fried and uh, 
Southern honor. And yet, where are they now? It's, again, it, <laughs> and putting people out of business. And I, I get it. I mean, I get that nobody loves being the bad man more than uh, religious people. They really are attracted to this notion of being the heel and playing pretend in something like pro wrestling. I, I think that's an interesting phenomenon. You know, they like to be the sort of the, either heelish or sort of preachy. Like I'm thinking of a guy like Scott Hensley, who's not a bad guy by any stretch, but he does love rubbing people's noses in what he perceives to be his superior knowledge. There's something about people who feel like they have an avenue to the truth with a big T through religion subsequently make them sort of revel in uh, taking a role in pro wrestling of being a shit starter or, um, you know, somebody who is going to tell everybody how much more they know than they do. I find it an interesting phenomenon. <laughs> so, uh, even, so we are. Before we bring on our guests, and speaking of Scott Hensley, you know, we talked about SCI some on the last show and we were doing the predictions about what may be happening for the rest of 2019. Uh, from all accounts, SCI pulled out a very good show at the Rumble and drew well. So um, it was, it, you know, it was a, the, the really good show they needed at this point in time, and they pulled it out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So kudos you know, to these, kudos these to those bridge guys. shows. These shows that bridge, you know, us from one, you know, SCI tournament to the next per year um, are increasingly important, and it's good that they didn't drop the ball. They, they need to, they need this year's invitational to do very well just to maintain that status of that show. So the rumble is the show that most people think about as the precursor to that. So what's good for them. And they drew in what, like about 500, right? Yeah. Something um, in that, that range that, is what, that's is what uh, Rob Brodicker had it at. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So again, another impressive crowd. So, but there were leagues that were drawing impressive crowds and doing crazy stuff long before these groups that we're talking about, right, Larry? That's a segue for you. Yeah, but we've never we've never seen it this good in Georgia, and I hope it I hope it continues at least not at least yeah. not in the last twenty years for independence. It hasn't it hasn't been that good. But we're going to start talking about some independence of the early nineties. Uh, you know, there was a it was a it was a sort of a down period for the major organizations, at least in my opinion. And um, my attention turned more to what was going on locally because I was pretty bored with what was going on with WWF and WCW in the early 90s. And we had a string of promotions that did pretty well here, um, Southern Championship Wrestling, Georgia All-Star Wrestling, and the, the one that, <laughs> that I remember most fondly, North Georgia Wrestling Alliance uh, from the at least a lot of the time, from the auction barn in Alfreda, Georgia. And if you look at the uh, show page for this show, there's a photo on there of the auction yeah. barn as it is now. Uh, that was the that was the building where all those shows were taped way back when in the early 90s. And uh, let's bring on our esteemed uh, panel of guests here. Yes, we're sir. now going to be joined by former WCW Nitro Georgia All-Star uh and global championship wrestling announcer, 
Scott Hudson. Welcome to the show, Scott. Hey, guys. Uh, hey, just to, just to make sure we're staying on a factual basis here, this is actually yes, uh, Paige's second movie. Her first one didn't get a lot of uh, attention, but I quite enjoyed it. Some co-stars there that I thought you might recognize, too. But uh, this is going to make a lot more money, I think, but it won't be uh, nearly as good as her first one. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> See what Scott did that? I think that went over Larry's head a little bit, but I got you. <laughs> Sorry, Larry. Hate to hit you with that right out of the box. My apologies. Move on. That's okay. That's okay. Don't, don't, don't. Not a problem. Not a problem. Uh, I, I just Scott, I'm going to look up yeah. what that movie did on Pornhub and see if you're right about it. <laughs> Please, Larry, continue your introduction. Yes, yes. Well, we're now also joined by <laughs> another esteemed announcer from the uh, – Auction Barn, and uh, also from NWA Wildside. Um, one half of the point counterpoint segments, those infamous segments that appeared on television for quite a while. Steve Prazak is joining us. Welcome to the show. Hey, Larry. Yes, a uh, infamous. I think is is as good an adjective. At least it's one of the few more arable adjectives I can think of right now. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we've got the 2011. GWH Ted Allen Legend of the Year Award winner and a certainly well-deserving, well-known guy around Georgia, Terry Lawler. Hey, guys. I thank you all for having me on board. Yes, sir. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you very much for uh, for, for being a part of this. Um, so, you know, I, I'm curious to I, I know this. I know what's been said about this, but for Stephen and, and uh, Scott, how the hell tell about how the hell you got involved in, in announcing in the first place for these for these various promotions? Scott, that's you. Um, uh, it was pretty simple. I was, uh, you know, I played I played uh, high school and college ball, and I was a disc uh, a disc jockey for a while. Moved to Atlanta. Huge wrestling mark since 1970. And uh, just married up those two, uh, those two hobbies, and you know the the two things any promoter wants to hear is I'll work for free, and I kind of halfway know what I'm talking about, and you're hired, and that was about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of kind of funny because Scott and I got that kind of hooked up. We, we went to a uh, a WWF house show with the Omni, one of the few they ran. I think it had like a about maybe a thousand people in that place. And there was Scott there with a uh, with a notepad, and there I was with a notepad, ready to write down the results. And and I walk up around Scott, and say, are, are you are you Dave Meltzer? He goes, No, 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 no. I'm 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 I'm, I'm Scott Hudson from Fifth Road. Oh, I remember your name and name and address from you know this wrestling publication and that sheet and this whatever. And I am like, Stephen Prazak from the. I'm like, oh yeah, I got out. I heard about you, whatever. And then from that point on, we got hooked up with. Joe Pettacino, we all sounded like we knew what we talked about, and we, since both Scott and I have backgrounds in radio, uh, yeah. and that that helped a lot right there, so we had, so we didn't sound like, you know, we were just plucked right off the streets, uh, so so we sounded somewhat intelligent, what, what came out what came out of, out of our mouths kind of uh, belied that, that that concept somewhat, but, uh, but, uh, but, I, but, but, we, but anyway, we, we came in at the right price, and uh, we had a lot of fun doing it, last I checked. 
Is it is it true though? Right. The story I've read, and it's you know, is that you you offered your services to Georgia All Star because some because the announcer did, had done such a crappy job. You offered your services to replay to come in. Is that a true story? Yes, it is. It's a true story, I believe. That's but some, story, yeah. some, I think it was it was, some, it was in, at Carrollton, I believe. It was a show that Joe was doing. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the Southern Championship Wrestling Show. Uh, I'm not sure if Jerry Blackwell had any uh, any um, had any involvement by that time. And by the way, the announcer was getting everybody's name wrong. Was announcing one masked wrestler as the invader, and when there is no such thing. And uh, so Scott went up to Joe and said, "You know, we could we could do we could do that for nothing." And Joe says, "You're hired," and because uh, that was uh, that that cause that, that fit perfectly in, in Joe Pedicino's budget at the time. Actually, it probably still does. Actually, his budget hasn't 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 changed much over the years. And I mean that with love, Joe. Um, but uh, and uh, so uh, to show that uh, here are some people who who just who were who were uh, interesting and you know and and, and colorful and, and 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 really cared about everything. It was pretty obvious, I think, to Joe. Uh, that we really cared about what was going on here, and I think that was as as, as important as uh, uh, Scott Mine radio background and um, and and a love of wrestling. So that's uh, that worked, right. and yeah, that seems, it seems to be a very unlikely unlikely way of starting of starting something. I wouldn't. It's, it's, none, it's never. It's neither been a career for Scott nor me. It's been little more than like maybe a weekend amusement. But uh, hey, what a nice weekend amusement it turned out to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Terry, where did you where did you fit in the, in, into this picture chronologically? Uh, let's say probably 1990, shortly after I started. Uh, did some jobs for them, and just like any any wrestler, I was trying to find who I was and where I belonged in the sport. Uh, trying to come up with a name and a personality that that didn't reflect my relationship with my brother Steve because I was trying to trying to make it on my own so to speak so uh, I did my my dues I put the rings up I did the jobs um, and just out of uh, out of a weird freakness I shaved my head and it started growing back and uh, Bonnie Blackstone came up to me one of the tapes and, and said uh, how much I look like a young Elvis and I said you know, you know work with that a little bit so, so I went back home and Pulled up my old uh, RCA records, started looking at some different songs, trying to make make a name, and then uh, just came up with the Jailhouse Rocker, and then slowly built the gimmick around stuff. And uh, Scott and Steve were uh, were the announcers during that that time, and uh, just still love their chemistry. You know, either it's being recorded or just like like tonight, as this. They they're just great together stuff and and uh, so they were there from the very early stages of my career so I had nothing but bad respect for both guys. It would also it was also really nice for uh, for us because I mean uh, Jailhouse Rocker uh, certainly was one one of, one of the best better guys there so it made it a lot easier for Scott and me uh, to, to to call this stuff. I mean Scott and I became somewhat famous for making the best of some really crappy wrestling. That's what a, a, a lot of what a lot of uh, what wrestling was often attributed to. Although, if I, I look look back in hindsight, there was a lot of really really good stuff that that was that was going on there. A lot of really good stuff. But of course, by when when the wrestling turned south, it turned south rather spectacularly and, and more sensationally. So that's what seemed people some tend to remember about that. But and so when Scott and I would tend to you know make the most out of a bad situation like. Oh my goodness! A variation on a modified semi 
headlock, you know, and then, you know, just, and, then, and it's got, got a little more, I got to get there, be more, more bizarre than that, but it's a, uh, but, that, but still there was the quality of wrestling in that little place. If you just look mm-hmm. at it, it's a small damn room and they taped a um, yeah. national TV taping, quote unquote, um, because the signal bled a little into Alabama. So hence it's a national TV taping. Which was which was <laughs> Sam Kent's logic behind that, and uh, and there's but I'll tell, there's, I'll tell you this, you know, to 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 bring it back to Terry's gimmick, Steve and I are both huge Elvis marks. Um, you know, it didn't take anything to sell us on somebody doing an Elvis gimmick, especially young yeah. Elvis, not the you know the bloated you know, Aloha from Hawaii concert Elvis, but the you know the young and hungry. <laughs> Uh, jailhouse rock Elvis, and so we we were we were in on that. We we were all in, to coin a phrase, on that from the very beginning uh, with Terry's gimmick. So it, it was uh, a mutual admiration society all the way around. And plus the fact that he could work, which made him step out, you know, head and shoulders above a lot of people there. <laughs> you know that 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 helped. Well, obviously he runs in the family because <laughs> uh, uh, jailhouse rocker and his brother. Steve the Brawler Lawler were two of the very best there, and it was a it was a treat to call that and talk call call this up always always. I tell you, that's Steve Lawler, boy, what a talent! My God, he was he was could have been yeah. one of the all time greats on a on a national stage, but uh, the 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 regional stage that he took he 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 took that one over. He was fantastic. He was one of one one of my yeah. favorite guys in the mic of all time. I think Steve Lawler easily. Yeah. Yeah. How, how would you guys describe the? Uh, ambiance of the auction barn during that time <laughs> you know and it had to be experienced to be believed but what would you say about it actually i'm trying i'm trying to i'm trying to grasp the concept of ambiance and and alfred auction barn in the same setting which is uh, <laughs> which i've, I've never, I'll, I'll never tell heard you something before. about the the auction barn first off it smelled like fried pies because they must have sold <laughs> you know their, their weight in fried pies at that place for every uh, national television taping, and secondly, you could literally hang from the rafters in uh, yes in the auction barn. I mean, the <laughs> rafters over the ring. I mean, if you had somebody that was a, a hoflar, as Sam would say, they they didn't have to jump very high at all to grab hold of a rafter and hang there. And that spot was done a lot, where they so would hang from the rafters there, and then swing themselves over and finish the draw. <laughs> And Sam would also, yeah, you're right. And they did have a small tribe prize, but I, I think there was, there was one time Sam Kent, for some reason, Sam Kent for the uninitiated, was <laughs> the guy who was eventually the booker uh, of of this uh, of, of this of this wrestling and of the show, which aired as um, like Georgia All Star Wrestling and then North Georgia Wrestling Alliance. Uh, Sam Kent, um, who was known as as who dresses kind of like an, of an Uncle Sam kind of a way, who would show on up with a um, a tie with his picture on it, uh, a jacket with his pictures on the lapel, uh, also and, uh, and his picture on the back of his jacket, and showing up with a wooden puppet that looked like him too. So here was like a um, uh, six six visions of the same guy, <laughs> well, all within like two feet of each other. Anyway, he was uh, quite the character. But uh, one time he asked us, or he asked me, I think. Uh, if I could put over um, um, Granny's hot dog chili that they were real proud of there, I could put that over on the show. The show is going to be airing like two weeks later. The people who wouldn't have a clue about about hot dog chili, and Sam wanted me to put over the chili. So, which um, um, which, if I recall, in keeping the uh, '50s rock and roll thing going there, I believe 
I said that. Um, speaking of uh, Granny's hot dog chili, I don't know if you knew this, that uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, the rock and roll maverick himself, ate Granny's hot dog chili one night, and the very next day, he wrote Great Balls of Fire. <laughs> and, uh, and well, anyway, Sam didn't ask me to ever do that again, so, uh, so we, we didn't put in another over I thought you were going to say anymore. that that, that one pot of uh, hot dog chili she had going was made in the 50s, and she just kept it warmed up every Sunday. <laughs> like it only got better. Yeah. <laughs> but the ambiance, to get into your original question, Larry, sorry, we, we took a we took, took a no, end there. it's quite all right. Uh, they're up. Uh, uh, it's 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 a very it's a kind of very traditional Southern wrestling crowd. There, uh, uh, these are people who both knew knew what was going on in the ring, wink wink, but they also really got into it, and they never really got into any of the the, the sort of a the smart uh, smart cat calls. But they uh, they but they, they they cheered the baby faces, they booed the heels, and and you know, sometimes they were at the had to separate the heel wrestlers from some members of the audience and. Uh, but uh, they had security, quote unquote, there. And but and so, but there was that there was that nice traditional Southern wrestling vibe, but in a small, small room, and in in its own in its own bizarre way, it worked. Uh, it's uh, you can't really tell it from from the TV that uh, that you still see, that what little TV remains is uh, what what's, what it's like there. But it's uh it's it was it was really something. I I can't compare it really to any other place, even though it was somewhat of a dump. But then again, a lot of classic wrestling places are dumps, aren't they? Come to think of it. Well, I mean, Miss Miss Kitty's was it where they, you know, did Southern Championship mm. wrestling was a palace yeah. compared yeah. to the, uh, the auction barn. <laughs> right. The auction barn didn't even have, if I remember right, it didn't even have a proper dressing room. The guys were kind of behind this little like curtain thing. It was just like really, I knew it was small, but they then when a, I went there, I, I yeah, yeah, go ahead. It was it was, yeah. it was storage spaces. They would have to empty up all the crap out of the storage. Put it in the parking lot or in the clo- closed-in fence. Open up the doors and let the guys get, get dressed in the storage rooms. Uh, you know, it's like asbestos cover walls, and then they put like black curtains to, to you know, cover up all the the crud. It, but uh, it was a very classy joint over there, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, and Gordon Clemens was the owner of it, and uh, God rest his soul. If you mentioned the word that that, that looked like asbestos on the wall, he would kind of go lose his, lose his mind over shit like that. But uh, uh, there, was, there was one time there was a house show, and they had so much stuff that, that was not claimed. We actually had an auction barn match with me and uh, Convict Blaze, and whatever it didn't have a tag on it, we was able to use it in the match. And we like broke a brand new ping pong table, somebody's china dresser. We just demolished and everything, so he could just write it off and throw it in the trash can and and, and blame us rascals for, for for destroying it. So he got cash out paid twice for that. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, but, there's you know, one there's one great story from the auction barn uh, that involves Terry, and I'm not about to tell the story if he doesn't want to. Uh, it's his story to tell. But there was the Kid Vicious story. And, Terry, if you don't want to go there, I understand. But that was – that's in the pantheon oh, no. of the greatest auction bond stories for me. It was uh, – oh, around the 4th of July, I was wrestling for Ben Messers down in Cordell, Georgia, and was working um, 
you know, Glenn Gibernetti, which became, you know, Disco Inferno, one of brothers' trainees, and went through me out of the ropes, and the ropes are so loose that I went out, still holding the ropes, flipped, and uh, popped my shoulder across the uh, edge of the ring and separated my left shoulder, which if you pay attention to the rest all the time, is most everything is done to the left side of of you hitting and you're you know working the arms and everything else is always on the left side. So I was kind of at a disadvantage, and we were wouldn't say I was star on TV. I was just one of the hot young guys and kind of did what I could to keep my spot. And uh, but the word got out that stay away from my left shoulder because I was you know pretty much a sitting duck and. And I guess this one kid, he was when we actually still did had jobbers, and I guess he just saw an opportunity to take advantage of it and kind of went straight after the the left shoulder. And I'll let either one of you guys jump in after that because you know, y'all saw better than I did. Um, if you don't mind, Terry, the, that that's exactly what happened. It was somebody named Kid Vicious, which is a, actually a terrific name, uh, came in and just immediately went and started working that shoulder, the injured shoulder, and we knew that Terry was hurt, um, and the guy wouldn't stop, and Terry kept trying to push him off, you know, like, hey, I don't know what you were saying to him, but, you know, ease up, this is this is my gimmick shoulder, let's work to the right, you know, whatever, and the guy wouldn't stop. So Steve Lawler uh, just hit the ring, and Steve Lawler's like the number one heel in the company, and here's Jailhouse Rocker, the arguably the number one babyface in that discussion, and all of a sudden this number one heel is making the save for the number one babyface and just beats the hell out of this kid vicious for, you know, taking advantage of his brother. And I don't know that that ever aired. And no, it, uh, it, was, it was one of those, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to call this, and they, you know, they didn't necessarily smarten us up that every angle they were going to do. You get real emotion and real excitement from the announcers when you do that, but we were sitting there thinking, what the hell is going on? Did they just turn Jailhouse? Did they turn Steve? Well, who turned? Why is this kid in the ring? You know. We had no idea what was we going on, but we obviously we knew why it, what was happening. We just didn't know why it happened. Brother was a booker at the time, so they couldn't really do much with him. You can't do much with him when he's not booking. But so he was a huh. shot caller. But um, the, as far as I know, that that actually never aired. Uh, and I'm very you know thankful for that they respected, I guess myself or a brother, whatever the reason behind it was, other than the fact it was just a, a shit show match. Um, but you know, it was just, it was it was part of my history. I'm not a not ashamed of it. it stuff happens, but uh, I'm glad to have y'all guys to, to remind me and 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 tell your side of, of the, what you saw. I'm vaguely yeah, was, disappointed that Kid Vicious didn't go on to play softball <laughs> <laughs> or attack you with you know, a pair I'll, of scissors. I'll, I'll tell you the truth, guys. I've heard <laughs> and I, I I don't know. And I've never asked him, and I, every time I talk to him, I, I, I keep reminding myself, like 20 minutes after we stop talking or hang up or whatever, that there's a rumor that that was Shane Helms, that he had come down from Carolina, you know, and wow. he, was, he was a kid. He would have been 17 years old maybe. But I've, every time I talk to Shane, which is, you know, infrequently, but I talk to him, and I've never asked him. I need to finally remind myself to ask him if it really was him. Absolutely. Huh. And if it's not, then I apologize. Shane's one of my favorite people in the whole world. And if it wasn't, then I apologize for even including his name in this discussion. But if it was, it's one of the great stories of all time. Yeah. 
That's true. But then again, he he was no medieval man. <laughs> if uh, details, please. Details. Medieval man was played by uh, John Bagwell, the brother of Mark Bagwell, uh, and uh, he was a reasonable guy. He just he just didn't pick up a lot of things, and he was doing a medieval gimmick. Uh, you know, with a with a scythe and you know, and then a black hood, and and it looked ominous. And of course, when he did interviews, you know, his southern accent was so over the top. It was okay. This guy is about as medieval as uh, uh, you know, <laughs> as, as, as my cat. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, the fact that he, um, he was the medieval man was kind of uh, indicative of some of the things that Scott and I had to do when calling the matches to make things a little a little more authentic. When you know, because he he had a he didn't really take a bump. He kind of crumbled, in the, and he <laughs> and he did this over and over and over again. So, uh, so it well, you know, so you know, there's a fair amount of improv. And I think I believe he also um, would would pay Sam Can for his uh, North Georgia Wrestling Academy. So he was just he was uh, paying the play, so, so to speak. So um, so um, so Sam liked to put him on the show when as often as possible. So um, and so that was kind of um, a, a, an element of uh, what, uh, what what went on there. But the, in, but to contrast that, you also had you know you know Joel Deaton there. Um, um, yeah. You had Rotten Ron Starr. Eddie Gilbert and Doug Gilbert came through once, and I'm sure after Eddie looked in the place with horror, if I recall. <laughs> he, he did come by there. Um, um, that's oh, um, uh, Mike Golden, which is which is a guy to see yeah. some, of these, some of these national guys who were known, who had been on the Crockett shows, been on some Mid South shows, been on the Southwest Championship Wrestling. I remember Mike Golden teaming with Al Madrill on the old Southwest show on, on USA before uh, before Vince took, took 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 that one over. So it was, it was a guess how these these national guys who most of whom were beginning to live in the Atlanta area. And uh, and would actually do some work, and 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 most of them were just uh, delighted to put over some of these younger guys. Uh, I remember Ron Starr, who was who was quite the, the international star, and we certainly in Puerto Rico certainly. I mean, he's just one of the, one of the great all encompassing guys. Just imagine he did everything yeah. really well, and he one night he put over the the skinniest, scrawniest guy we had in the dressing room. I believe his name is Ricky Frady. And uh, and he put him over, and the place erupted, and Ron loved it. And that was just kind of indicative of what the kind of things that the, that some of these national guys would would bring to the auction barn to, to help help these young guys along. Even though I don't think uh, Ricky Frady really didn't too much thereafter, so I don't know what all well, good what all it really uh, good it did the guy. But uh, but still, that was also a nice little element of the auction barn days. And uh, I remember correctly that. Um, Cornette plucked New Jack and Mustafa out of there for um, for his for his companies. Isn't that the way that went? That's probably true. I I, I don't uh, I, I would think so because Cornette did some did the occasional uh, co-promotion with, uh, uh, with 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 Sam Kent's group, so with with, with North Georgia. So yes, yeah, probably where that 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 New Jack connection. But however, when we had New Jack. Uh, for some reason, Sam Kent uh, decided to pay, have ter- turn into a tag team, New Jack and Hillbilly Festus, which was uh, a, a combo that uh, I couldn't even begin to describe. It's uh, probably probably one of the worst tag teams ever, but uh, certainly one of the more interesting ones. <laughs> if memory serves. I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll tell you a quick New Jack story, Larry and and Stephen. The, 
New Jack had been around as part of the convicts tag team with with uh, Ashley Clark, who was convict oh, yeah. convict Blade, and uh, oh, boy, uh, yeah. New Jack was New Jack's he was New Jack Syndicate. That was his yeah. full name. He wasn't just New. He was New Jack Syndicate, and they had come in for a couple of TVs, and they they were terrific. Ashley Clark was terrific, just a huge monster powerlifter guy. Uh, and, and so we would, you know, as we were doing, Steve and I, working for five bucks a month, we were, you know, making fun of what we could make fun of just to crack ourselves up. So I called or referred to New Jack as alternately New Jack, Car Jack, or Low Jack every chance I could just for the yeah. laugh and showed up at the next TV. And before the TV started, he comes up to me and grabs me by my shirt and lifts me off the ground. And I'm like six one two thirty. I'm a, I'm a big guy. And he puts me up against the wall up and says, my name is new Jack. If you call me anything other than that, I will kick your ass and drop me and walked off. <laughs> and I never called him anything, but new Jack or Mr. Jack <laughs> after that. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I knew his background, I had heard, you know, through the grapevine that he was not someone to be uh, trifled with, and I did not uh, trifle. <laughs> <laughs> and if you remember, Mustafa was was like a voodoo witch doctor, was he not? Before they paired him yeah. up. Yeah, that's that's that was that was sort of who he was before. Um, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't in North Georgia, but Cornette found him. He wasn't the he wasn't the voodoo man guy from Global, but he was kind of doing a knockoff of that on some indies, and um and and Jimmy put him and uh, Nuge together uh, to go to Smoky Mountain. And that got over. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I want to get you to reactions to some other guys who came through there, maybe not so uh, famous guys. The Harley Davidson crew with Mr. Donnie. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, like, um, again, the <laughs> Mr. Donnie, who I've since met a couple of times. I think, I think Scott and I ran into him. At, didn't we run into him at Jim Barnett's funeral? Didn't we see him there? Uh, yes. 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 Uh, that I is, believe that is correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's the last time I saw him. I mean, he turned out to be one of one of the real all-time nice guys. Even though uh, looking at him, you yeah. figured just I mean, if he had like you, you sneezed once, you figured he'd, he'd be he'd be in the next zip code. But he would um, he was <laughs> just uh, quite the uh, uh, he was just this, this, easily the, the skinniest guy I've ever seen on on television. But he just played this sort of biker biker hanger-on guy, and his tag team, the Harley Davidson Crew, played the biker the biker role and and that was really fitting really fitting for, for for the environment it worked great in the auction barn it worked great in rome at the dillard's uh, music uh, music park and and it it's it just it worked really well in the environment uh, so I, that, that was a good combination donnie on the mic was not very pleasant but everything else about that that group was uh, was, 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 was pretty good do, do i remember correctly there there was a stage there maybe it was towards the end where tommy rich was Involved with the Harley Davidson crew and was a biker with Mr. Donnie. Is that some weird nightmare I had? <laughs> it was it was the same weird nightmare that we had too, Larry. But uh, no, they had, um, <laughs> no, actually, this, again, this was after North Georgia, where uh, 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 various versions of the Harley Davidson crew with Mr. Donnie would be paired up with uh, with Tommy Rich. I don't believe Tommy and Donnie were were friends. 
and in some other ways as well. Um, the specifics I really don't know too much about. So that that was the the Tommy Rich Charlie Davidson crew connection. Uh, it's, it does. It was it started back during Jerry Blackwell's uh, Southern Championship Wrestling days uh, when Tommy was doing a heel run and actually working against uh, Jerry Blackwell himself. So he had him shadow and scrap iron. <laughs> Scrap iron. <laughs> We're doing some uh, some uh, angles with, with Jerry Blackwell, and uh, it was a uh, actually it was, it was there were several variations, but uh, it always centered around Mr. Donnie. Yeah. The, I I have one quick Mr. Donnie story, and I I never could understand this. There was it, there was some sort of it led to a match down at the uh. In Fairburn at the Henderson Arena with the Harley Davidson. Oh, the Henderson crew. Arena. Yes, with it was Donnie, but they, Mr. Wrestling Two was involved, mm-hmm. uh, and in the opposition, and Mr. Wrestling Two cracked Donnie with a chair shot to the head and buckled his knees. And you know, you, guys didn't use chair shots to the head at that point very often. I thought, did he just not like Donnie? What the heck was that about? Mm. I never did understand that. It was weird. Mm. It was weird to see. Yeah, so boy, he didn't like yeah. that guy or, so, or something. Yeah, I, I, that, that probably be my subject too. I, I seem like uh, Mr. Donnie and Wrestling Two come from two entirely different worlds, and I think that's probably just where the yeah. uh, the the um, uh, the the gap was. Wow, I, 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 I've not, not heard that, Larry. But uh, I'm sure. But then again, you Mr. could Donnie. you could you could crack Mr. Donnie with like a Barbie's Malibu Funhouse chair. I mean, it wouldn't <laughs> take much. What a great gimmick that would be, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry? What a great gimmick that would be. <laughs> yes, Malibu, yeah. Malibu yeah, Funhouse chair on the ball match. Chair, sure. chair match. <laughs> but uh, I, did, did Mr. Don, didn't Mr. Donnie uh, pass? God, I hope I hope no, he, no, I hope no, he sir, did. Uh, no, I, oh, I, believe, I, believe, I believe he's still with us. Although, uh, yes, he's still good. Yeah. So, somebody told Tom, me about Mr. Donnie siding within the last couple years. Okay. Good. <laughs> I just Mr. thought Donnie's I, I had, all, had it in my head that he had that he had passed on. Good. I'm glad he's. I'm glad he's still with us. Yeah, I believe yeah. he's still I with us. He was a, a, a nice guy. Generally nice fellow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Donnie actually has all the old eight millimeter tapes from North Georgia. He got them from uh, Sammy Kemp for Sammy Pass. Wow. So, last I heard, last I heard, he is sitting on all that. Great footage just needs a way of getting it uh, transferred over, I believe. But he has all the all the tech. Oh, outstanding! <laughs> cool. That needs to be on the uh, WWE Network. That's like a real Southpaw Championship. You know, that's that's exactly what Southpaw is. Isn't that what the, isn't that that worked uh, promotion they do on there with? Yeah, it, I believe yeah. Hell with everybody. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, again, uh, I guess it's, I guess it's a takeoff on what uh, what I guess uh, folks in the north would perceive as a uh, as a as a, a sort of a runty uh, southern promotion from uh, from, from the from the mid '80s. So yeah, yeah I guess uh, um, we I guess uh, um, um, Georgia I guess Georgia All Star and um, North Georgia Wrestling would probably might qualify under that heading. Some of that does hit pretty close to home when I watch those. Yeah. <laughs> I was at a at a driving and crying concert, and this guy, you know, you feel like somebody's keeping eyeballing you. And I finally yeah. start talking to him and stuff, and he uh, that's when I had my old long hair and rough looking, and 
he called me Joe Hosmer Walker, and I was like, well, I was impressed. And so we talked for a while and, and couldn't find out. Back in the 90s, North Georgia wrestling shows were a hot commodity trade up in Canada. Really? really? Wow. I, I, same same I, reaction I had. I've lost, I've lost all respect <laughs> for Canada. Wow. Uh, I hope they put them through like uh, they had like a, a, a translation uh, gimmick so they can convert all of our <laughs> stupid references to something Canadian. Uh, I, I think I think maybe uh, some some French subtitles would go great over some of those old George wrestling types. That, that well, however, um, did, didn't we have a um, didn't we have a guy who was uh, from uh, the um, um, the French Quebec, quote unquote? <laughs> Who was that? Yeah, uh, I like, that would that would have been a big bowl of dew, I think. Was, big uh, bowl of dew, that's right. From the uh, <laughs> yeah, from uh, from, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from French Quebec, uh, albeit the the very southern portion of uh, French Quebec. <laughs> yes, yes. So otherwise, say, he's bulldog rain. Quebec. That's right. <laughs> and he's a terrific yeah. talent, and he's had he's had a hell of a run. But yeah, he's great. Big bowl of dew. He's supposed to be from you know you know Quebec and this big Canadian lumberjack, and then he would do an interview, and he had this. Huge southern accent, and so then we would say, well, he must be from southern Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bo, yeah, he was—he was—he was, he was, he was a, it was a big, strong guy too, Bo. Yeah, he was. Yeah, definitely a, a real fire plug, or as the Sam would can, Sam Kent would call him, a hot flyer. Yeah, he was. Yeah, a hot <laughs> Sam uh, Kent would call anybody who weighed less than three hundred pounds a high flyer. So right, that's what the, right, that's, right. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, did did Billy Black come through the uh, auction barn? Mm. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Uh, did he? Yes. He was there. I, I recall him afterwards. I don't recall him in the auction barn. That place was probably too small for Billy, who actually would uh, uh, who spent most of the time in the uh, um, in the air, if I recall. I don't recall. Well, we Billy did. Black well, he did. Uh, I remember we ca- we called some of his matches because I we were. I mean, I, I was friends with him when we went to Dallas and I didn't, I wouldn't have known anybody other than the yeah. Georgia all-star guys or North Georgia. Maybe yeah. that, maybe he was Georgia all-star, but yeah, not correct, North correct. Georgia, but yeah, he, he worked through there. But then again, too, but then he also got, on, had that, he, he also had that Japanese connection uh, going on right. even prior to the, uh, the global stuff there too. He was able right. to do some plans, that stuff. So there was that, but I, rec- I recall Billy Black often with the, those lovely uh, gallery furniture outdoor shows that we used to do. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh, the spark, uh, the I, I recall Billy Black doing a few of those, yeah. but uh, I don't recall him in the auction barn particularly. You know, those, uh, maybe maybe those that's it. Maybe it was Sparkles uh, and yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. My Sparkles roller rink. That was a what a, a fine wrestling uh, wrestling arena that was. How about uh, Danny D's? <laughs> How about <laughs> <him>? <laughs> Actually, last I saw Danny's after he's a, he's a preacher at a church not too far away from where I live. Actually, right? No. Yeah, yeah. Under, he goes under under another name, Danny Cagle, something like that. I think. Reggie, uh, Reggie Cagle. Reggie Cagle, Reggie Cagle. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, this, but yeah, yeah. So, uh, but da- frankly, Danny was. Uh... Go ahead, Steve. I'm sorry. No, it's right. Danny, uh, although he's a complete sweetheart, Danny of uh, Danny Dees is, mm-hmm. but not the most. Uh, didn't have the greatest diction in the world, shall we say? Uh, and uh, it was really, really difficult. And we would often, uh, Scott and I would often take off on uh, some of the mispronounced words that Danny would say <laughs> on television. And uh, sometimes, of course, and, if, and whenever there was a mistake made on, on North Georgia wrestling, 
we would, uh, um, we would, somebody would go up to Sam and say, can we fix that? And Sam would go, yeah, I'll fix it in post. And Sam didn't have any idea how to fix anything. <laughs> Sam didn't even know what post was, but he heard it once. So, <laughs> so all the mistakes were there for the world to see, and they and they're all in and in, in, apparently in Mr. Donnie's closet now for the world to see. So we'll have to fix it. The uh, and 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 Danny, what the to to bring a little full circle to it. When I'm 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 in federal law enforcement. That's my real gig and has been for God a hundred years. And I remember that. Danny, under his real name, had a bail bonds business and actually did really well with it. And I would see Cagle's bail bonds signs and, you know, all all around the jails that I would have to go to to interview uh, witnesses and defendants and, you know, whatever. But uh, Cagle's bail bonds, that was Danny's gimmick, and he did really well with that and then did wrestling just, I guess, on the side. And, again, like Steve said, he's a, he's a minister now. Uh, and the, God, he's been doing that for a long, long time—twenty years or better. Yeah. Um, but Steve talked about how he would mispronounce the classic Danny D's. And I don't want to steal Steve's thunder if he was going here. No, I'm not going there. He was trying—he was trying to talk about how much money he had made in wrestling with his little, you know, Danny D's family or whatever, and uh, that they went out every night and drank champagne and ate filet Milan. Which is, I guess, a fillet in Milan, but not fillet mignon, which is a different dish entirely. But so he, yeah, he would brag about exactly. fillet Milan. It isn't a fillet Milan. I believe there was a uh, hair match where he threatened uh, he was going to beat the, the Blazers, which was uh, Sugar Ray Lloyd and uh, and R. D. Swain. And he said uh, it was yep. going to be hair versus hair match, and he swore that he was going to be shaving Sugar Ray Lloyd baldless. We, uh, we, uh, which we, we really wanted to see. <laughs> wanted to see how he, how he pulled that one off. Not shaving bald, but bald less. But bald less. Bald less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm curious how you guys wound up being, well, I don't know if you were actually replaced in this manner, but how it wound up with Sam Kent doing the TV show with a puppet as his sidekick. Mm-hmm. Actually, he was kind of the, ho- the in-studio host. With the with the ah. uh, with the puppet, yeah, he didn't actually. Happily, Sam didn't didn't call wrestling with the puppet, which uh, yeah, Sam <laughs> uh, um, Sam took over for uh, Joe Petticino after Joe Joe stepped Joe stepped down with Bonnie, and then they had John Michaels and then Randall Brown and then Sammy worked his way into the to the production side of it, and then uh, shortly after Junior came on board with him with with Bonnie. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. That was that was a strange thing. It was, thing. Uh, it was yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very strange. We had, we uh, so kind of had some friends that uh, some wrestling friends in Florida. We would uh, bring down tapes too, because everybody would you know, would would trade tapes to and VHS tapes and whatnot. And we would play the beginning of the North Georgia Wrestling Show with Sam Kent out there with the Sam Kent doll talking to and fro, and they would just stare at this with gape mouth amazement. And, this aired <laughs> on television. <laughs> You're kidding. We were, we were going for like, like an hour of all Japan on VHS, and then, okay, Scott and Steve have a tape, we plug that in, and here comes Sammy and Junior. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you quick, if I could, I'll tell you a quick Sam Kent story. Um, we would tape television, and then Terry would back this up. We would tape 
television on a Sunday night, like every fifth Sunday, and we would put enough shows in the can to have five weeks of television. And then we wouldn't tape TV again for five more weeks because we had already taped five weeks worth, just like the old days of, uh, of, of, of taping. And every taping, Steve and I would try to come up with a name for the next five weeks of Sammy doing house shows and call it the Something Something Tour. Uh, just for the next five weeks, we're start you know, tonight begins the sun, which basically means that you know for the next five weeks you're going to hear us talk about it every week because that's the way we taped it, and we would always name the tours after something about Sammy, some inside lingo about Sam Kent, and I think the first one may have been the "Doesn't Sam Kent Look Ridiculous" tour, which mm-hmm. is what yeah, everybody the, says, the... <laughs> and then and then we would have the "Abba the Abba Abba" Daylight tour. tour. Yeah, yeah. The Burning Daylight tour. tour. And if we if things started to slow down of the taping, all right, come on, y'all, we're burning daylight. And then the Abba 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 tour. If Sam got stuck for a word, he would just Abba 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 Abba. And, and then there was the Till Your Head Caves in tour, and the Road to Luthersville. And we just we just had a blast naming these tours. And people, were like, is there a Road to Luthersville shirt? And so I'm like, wow, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for some reason, Sam put this with one show that was going to be taking place in Luthersville, of all places. I'm sure it's a, a lovely town, but uh, Luthersville? What the? Anyway, um, this, really, yeah. uh, this was like a, seven or eight weeks in the future, and we had to put over this, this damn thing in, in Luthersville. So we decided to make it portrayed as a as as mighty a wrestling production that has ever been seen by the likes of by the eyes of man. And we um, yeah. just, just and ultimately we just every every show that we did before that was all part of the road to Luthersville. And uh, it it sounds just absolutely absurd now. Actually, it was pretty absurd then too, but uh, <laughs> but, but uh, that was part and parcel to what you had to do. And uh, in, in the days of uh, North Georgia wrestling on on Channel sixty nine. Uh, yeah. Stephen, how did you wind up in a manager role there? Uh, as a manager, uh, it was I I don't remember the specifics particularly. I uh, uh, both uh, Glenn Gilbert or well, Glenn Gilberti and I got to be kind of kind of close. We had a we shared some music uh, together. Uh, we had some some music likes, and and I believe he lived really near my condo in Chambly. And so whenever his water would uh, water heater would burst, he'd come over to my house. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, which he did, did really frequently come to think of it. I'm not thinking of it. Anyway, uh, and I think there was, because, uh, they, uh, I think Sam picked up on some sort of, uh, friendly nature there between us. I think he's had to put us, put us together, even though Glenn was really good on the mic. So he didn't really need any managerial assistant, really. You, you put a manager in there with somebody, you know, who has marbles in their mouth or, or who sounds like they're from. Luthersville or something. So, uh, but but this, but but anyway. So Sam, but, but so we did this thing with with, with Gil, Gil, Gil Bernetti, Did a little some skits, whatever. And it didn't really end up anywhere, and it didn't do Glenn any favors, and and it kind of took me away from the from the announcing since I was you know what we're, we're there to do ultimately. You know, is trying to put over everybody, make everybody much better than they are than they really are. And and as I was keep playing this ridiculous Stephen the Truth character. Who, who could get really annoying really quickly? I mean, to the point of turning your TV off, annoying, which is which is what it was becoming. Sometimes I thought that uh, we all about literally made sure that uh, we would turn into this, uh, turn him into a, into a, ba- a baby face, non-character as, as as time went on. But the manager thing was only um, was only a mild uh, diversion, really. After 
more towards the end, and I think I did some managerial work for actually for Steve Lawler, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he and, lost every match where I was a manager for him. So um, which was a really a really a really good uh, career move for us both. Yeah, and and you actually managed brother and myself as a tag team as the Rock and Brawlers. And the the one that I remember the most, and, and it's like burned into my mind, and my retinas are still hurting. Uh, was in Douglasville, Georgia, and you have got Granny so riled up that she flashed us all. Oh, no bra, Uh-oh. no bra, no bra. Oh, knee hangers flopping out everywhere. It was. Uh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> It was a very, very traumatizing effect, you know. It's, and uh, that's just—I don't remember how we did it in our match. I don't know if we made our match after that, but it, I just remember she got all three of us at one time, and uh, and it was just, oh, oh my, <laughs> that's some some definite foreign objects there. Oh dear. <laughs> I recall Douglas. I recall that uh, that place that uh, was the National Guard Armory in Douglasville. Terry, was that what that was? Exactly. Yes, yes, sir. Exactly. Yeah, I remember that. Well, that was a that was a tough place. I remember managing Steve Lawler one night, and I had to like a uh, I had to like uh, throw a, cha- uh, a chain to him, and some kid came up behind me, grabbed the chain, and ran out the front door with it. I thought that's okay. This is a, <laughs> this is a town who takes their wrestling really really seriously. Yeah. I, yeah. Going going back to uh, Danny D's a little bit stuff. Uh, he actually was my manager for a while and uh, was there for my retirement match. But a lot of people didn't realize that when Sammy was trying to get out of out of the wrestling, he actually sold it to Danny. So Danny was actually the owner for a while when y'all was coming up doing the Christmas Chaos ninety six through ninety nine. Danny was actually the owner of North Georgia. Oh. Uh, with, with, when it, was that was still when it was still on TV too, Terry? I think shortly after it came out on TV, you know, right there at the mid nineties or so. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I guess Sammy just saw you know saw that TV was his deal and he didn't have no more, so he kind of just got sold the name and some water belts he had, mm-hmm. and you know, it just kind of water bookings and open stuff. So, um, which was good in some ways and, and bad in other ways. Mm-hmm. Some of uh. Some of Sammy's business dealings that was it too favorable kind of left a black eye <laughs> on a lot of uh, towns back in the day when you kind of go get. Yep. So. Uh, yep. That was that was uh, kind of how we got away from North Georgia wrestling and actually uh, made NAWA North American Wrestling Alliance came out out of the death of North Georgia and trying to get away from all those bad vibes and bad right. uh, assumptions. Drop with the name of Sammy Kent with with wrestling. Yeah, I guess I could I, I, I could see that. Yeah. Well, you guys, any other uh, stories, closing thoughts you want to get in here? Hmm. I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll end it with this, Larry. That I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have the first bad memory of working with Terry, working with Steve, working with. Joe and Bonnie and and Sammy and Danny and anybody other than New Jack putting me up against the wall. Um, Even then, he and I got it worked out like the next taping, but no bad memories at all. I would do it all again. I wish I could. I wish I had a time machine. I'd go start all over again. 
it was literally so much fun. I mean, Scott and I were having the time of our lives. We so, we so looked forward to it. I mean, remember just driving, you know, to Alpharetta, which took a little, which took, took a little bit of doing from Chambly back in the day when 400 wasn't really all the way done. Highway 400 wasn't really all the way done, so it's kind of tricky to get up to Alpharetta. Uh, but I remember we were just, just brimming over with excitement that when we were driving up there with everything that we was expecting going on there. So as uh, as ramshackle as it was and as small as it looked and and yeah, as poor quality you might think it was, it really wasn't. It was um, it was a, a little just a this sort of um, this sort of rough rough diamond literally in the in the in the middle of nowhere and it was that somehow managed to get aired on on Atlanta television <clears throat> national television uh, for the good folks in Anniston Alabama and um, and it was a gas we've had again the happy time of our lives and I um, and I'll be happy to drive with Scott uh, to, to do it all over again. Well, you know, one thing I want to say to you guys is, as a, as a viewer, you know, that show often was, as you guys have already, we've already touched on, was often pretty bad. And, you know, mm-hmm. there was some good wrestling on there, but a lot of the stuff was pretty awful. But I could always count on you guys to keep me entertained. Because it was it was clear you were having a good time with what you were doing. That that came across mm-hmm. very clearly. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I'll I'll have to be very conscious. It's always it's nice to be have, having a good time doing what you're doing, but it has to come. You have to be somewhat entertaining on the other other end of the spectrum. And I've I've always been a bit of a showboat, and always try to keep the people around me entertained. My my mom and pop and my grandparents and what's the same way. You know, you're you're sitting still doing nothing. Uh, got to do something to keep everybody laughing and joking. So I, I kind of took that philosophy and in in, in in the commentary part, and I guess that Scott's version is probably not too dissimilar to that. Uh, so if uh, things are yep. looking grim, well, let's like to join up a bit here. That's uh, there you go. Exactly right. Yeah, there was there, if there was ever any dead space, it wasn't there long because of Scott and Stephen were such a great yeah. chemistry together of of the good and the bad. Aspects and they just play so well together, you know, bouncing off and and uh, it it made the show flow better than what it should. If you just cut the volume down, it I'm sure it had a totally different vibe to it. God <laughs> knows, God knows, just me being a, a young rookie stuff, they made me sound a lot better than what I was. Mm-hmm. But I'm very thankful <laughs> to have those guys because a commentator can bury your career. Or it can build your career, and a lot of these guys don't understand that or get it because they don't live during that that time of TV. That you know, the commentators can make the shows as much as the wrestlers can. And for that, the I want to uh, tell these two guys. I want to tell these two guys right here that that uh, appreciate your guys for for all y'all have done for me, uh, for wrestling itself, and then for for Larry and Steven, your guys for for keeping these shows going and talking about everybody's stuff and giving everybody a chance to relive the history. In the past, Amen. and have a great time. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, thanks to you all, you guys, for um, sharing some of the a little trip down memory lane here to a somewhat yeah. forgotten time of of Georgia independent wrestling. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks, thanks to all of you. Enjoy it, guys. We'll talk to you thanks, soon. Thanks, Larry, Stephen. Appreciate it. Bye, guys. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you're ready for part two. Call us back. All right. Man, Larry, I, um, you know, of course I had a promotion for a few years there and, um, I would, I I would love to think that years down the road, you know, like me and a group of guys of note who are involved in the promotion would just sit around and talk about it and enjoy it. At the end of the day, 
you know, a, a lot of the people who worked for that promotion went on to have prominent careers and involvement in wrestling. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, and even though the promotions are as big as they've gotten with, you know, Southern Honor and Southern Fried and, and whatnot and Evolve and all that kind of stuff, at the end of the day, it's really just being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And that doesn't mean that everything is sort of magnificent and glorious. Sometimes it just means, you know, you got together, you did the show, um, people enjoyed it, and people enjoyed doing it. And then you get you know, stories based on the, the crazy characters involved, both fans and promoters and all the rest of it. So it really is great to hear because um, wrestling is nothing except fantasy come to life and a collection of stories that we show each other and that we tell each other again and again and again. And yeah, I certainly enjoyed that. I know you did as well. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Well, Larry, thank you for that. Um, we're going to be back in two weeks with another episode of The Tipping Point. Uh, until then, um, this is Larry Goodman, and I'm Stephen Platinum. Please go out and, you know, I usually hate it when people say, oh, go out and support independent wrestling. But, hell, these are the salad days, folks, um, This and you should enjoy it because they do not last forever. So get out there and be a part of these big crowds and be a part of these promotions that are really out there promoting and doing it right now. Um, Quick plug, and make me Quick some plug. Yes, please. Friday, yes, Friday please. night, the 22nd, uh, 1FW in Norcross. The 23rd, Saturday, Georgia Premier in Canton. The 23rd, Anarchy in Cornelia. The 24th, Combat Season. Combat World <laughs> 2 will take place down there in... Where the hell are they running? South of Atl- South of Atlanta. I can't remember what town that's in, but I'm probably going to be there. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. And again, I thought it was great that you guys called out, you know, the shows you and Robin not not be at for people to do reports. And I thought that they did a pretty good job with them. So let's keep that going and make sure all the major promotions and major shows have somebody there with eyeballs on it that it's reporting about it because it's all part of uh, this crazy wrestling community in the state of Georgia, and we're a part of that too. So thank you for listening, and uh, join us in a couple of weeks for The Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast. Production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.